HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by the Brooklyn Kitchen. Learn more at brooklynkitchen.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the intersection between food, agriculture, and competition. Learn how a chicken raising contest in the 1940s led to the poultry industry we have today. And they were going to run a contest and try and develop what they would call the chicken tomorrow. We'll also venture into the world of agricultural video games, where a new set of tractors is making a lot of fans happy. The biggest addition to 19 was the John Deere's. That's what everyone was hyped for. And we pay a visit to a group of Indian restaurants that aren't on the friendliest of terms. Usually they wait for my restaurant, but after a long wait, they go to next door or downstairs. But this is how they do business. They completely copy whatever we do. Embrace your competitive spirit and be the first to listen to new Meet and 3 episodes by subscribing now. That's Meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building and growing consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space. A product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Catherine Woodruff, the Director of Communications at Bonza, the fastest growing pasta brand in the country. Catherine manages all of Bonza's PR, customer experience, influencer marketing, and events. With Catherine at the helm of communications, Bonza was named by Time Magazine as one of the 25 best inventions of 2015, featured on Good Morning America, and published in the New York Times, among other publications. And if you've been listening to this podcast at all, when I ask people which brands are doing a great job, I feel like 90% of them have Mm -hmm. called out Bonza. So, Catherine, I am super psyched you're here today. Welcome. Likewise. Thank you. Um, So we always start off a little bit, like, what were you like as a kid? Were you a brand person? Were you a food person? You're in communications. Were you a communicator? 
What did you think you wanted to be when you were like 10? Yeah. Um, so I would say I was definitely social and communicative. Um, <laughs> my mom was always in PR and communications, ah. um, and my dad's a journalist. Great. So I think storytelling kind of runs in my DNA. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Rye, New York, primarily. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, we had great dinner table conversations, and I think I kind of was um, brought up in this storytelling uh, kind of household. So Learn how to get a point across, too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and then in terms of uh, what I wanted to be when I was younger, I, I remember definitely wanting to be a doctor for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, there's a story that my dad talks about sometimes where uh, I went with him to an appointment. He was supposed to get like a precancerous thing removed on right. his skin. So I was like so excited. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> Showed up, was with him for that. And I think I walked out and I said, Dad, I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. <laughs> um, and Did you have brands that you loved? So I think I kind of, I think as a kid, you see ads and brands as kind of like noise and something to fast forward right. through to get to your cartoons. Right. So I don't think that I was necessarily like a brand savant as a kid. Right. Um, but I do, I, in college, I, in the summer, I interned at a big advertising agency mm-hmm. um, called JWT. And one of my, the things I was working on behind the scenes was Con, which is the biggest um, advertising festival. Um, oh. And so that sort of, like led me to down a rabbit hole of watching all the videos of the ads that were up right. for awards. And that was That's the first fun. time where I kind of saw, not the first time, but I think that opened my eyes to like the creativity and the kind of like, this is so much more than just the commercials. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so much more to this. So. Yeah. So then you, when you went to college, did you think you were, by that time you were over the doctor thing. Yeah. So did you want to go into like advertising or media or journalism or what? Yeah, I think journalism, um, because that was kind of what I grew up around. Um, I was a editor on the high school paper and my college paper as well. So that I think, um, was something that, that I was around and excited about. Um, I think, I think towards the end of college, like any English major, I was super conflicted about (laughs) what to do with that. Um, as many people would remind me all the time, what are you going to do? Um, but I think one thing that I loved about the paper was that it was it was building something every week. It was yeah. being with a group of awesome people every Sunday and building something that was then out in the world tangibly yeah. for people to read. And then doing it all over and again the next starting week. Starting from scratch, right. yeah. Um, and so I think, I think I sort of started to realize that maybe journalism wasn't what was super exciting to me. It was more about building something. Mm-hmm. Um, so having absolutely zero, taken zero business classes, I decided I should join a business. Right. Um, <laughs> Or startups. So, so did you join Bonza right out of school? I did. Yes. Yeah. So wow. I I joined a program called Venture for America, which um, also the Bonza co-founder Brian, yeah, was and entre- Mitch from Chavani, and Mitch, yes, yeah. and Avery, yes, and Avery. Um. So, yeah. So I joined that program, and basically, um, you get access to a portal of startups, and so I was interviewing around. I knew that I wanted to do something in food, right? Because um, I had kind of um, when I studied abroad in Madrid, I think that was the first time where I was like really on this, got yeah. this food curiosity. Um, and But I wasn't quite sure what. So it ended up that I was connected by a mentor to Avery, who's the first employee at Bonza. Right. Um, and then I interviewed there, like the founder, found the founders super inspirational, loved right. the team, um, loved what they were doing, although I kind of didn't fully know what was happening. Right. <laughs> um, but I signed on. So, yeah. So what was that growth curve like? So you're employee number four, right? Or, yeah. I mean, number four, three five, or number three, four or five, yeah, right? 
And you were brought on with what job description? Okay, so actually my title um, when I first started was champion of chickpeas. Um, champion of chickpeas, <laughs> yes, got it. Which okay. in some ways is should still be my title, right. I think. Um, but basically a generalist with a focus on marketing right. and communication. So I, uh, I think my, one of my first tasks was, um, you know, build a spreadsheet of people on the internet that should be talking about Bonza yep. um, and just reach out to them. And so right. that, that was what I, and I think at that time it was kind of the beginning of like the influencer yep. sort of rush. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, some of the people now that I had reached out to four, four years ago are right. now, you know, like have millions of followers, right. which is pretty crazy. Yeah. But. So were you, I mean, like I'm going back to that job description basically because I'm trying to think about people out there who are listening mm-hmm. and they're about to employ someone to do marketing. And, you know, it used to be not that it was straightforward before, but it was kind of, you know, marketing meant thinking of billboards and like subway <laughs> ads and a tagline or a slogan and some good, you know, images to go with the copy. Now there's this whole digital world um, and, you know, events and I just, you know, so how would you, I guess the question is sort of twofold. One is when you started, what were sort of the, the, the things that you were doing that you think everyone should be doing when they first kind of start thinking about marketing? And then second, sort of how did that evolve and like, what does it look like today? Yeah. Totally. Um, so in the beginning, the main goal was awareness, um, which it still is. But yeah. um, and so it was um, getting the word out. So that was through PR. Um, that was through influencer outreach. And PR. I'm just gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pause every once in a while. Yeah. PR meaning that you guys paid a PR company to do placed at you know placed pieces in you know, little mentions or roundups or anything like that. Yeah. So actually in the beginning, um, in the super scrappy beginning, uh, it was me right, right. out of college with no relationship. <laughs> and you would be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Try this. Yeah. I'm going to send some to you. Right. Um, and that was the other thing. In the beginning, it was, it was, this is made from chickpeas. Chickpeas are high in protein and fiber and lower. Like, here's why this is good for you. So right. I think to skip, sort of skip to your second question, what's changed is that in the beginning, it was very educational and awareness building um, about functional messaging and benefits. Right. Um, and now sort of we're entering a stage where it's more about what does our brand stand for yep. beyond just protein and fiber. Right. Um, now that people generally know what chickpeas are for the most part yep. um, and know that they should be eating fiber and protein. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's still so much education to be done there, but right. we're sort of entering this this new stage part of communications. De. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like you, I mean, so there was, there was PR. Yeah. Which now we have an agency. At first it was me. Um, right. And uh, influencer, which, so that I think... If you're just starting out, PR is really important, um, but they're, it, it's blurring, right? The influencer yeah. PR line is blurring now, so it's yes. not necessarily that you need to um, you spend all your money on an agency, I think, right away. I think right. sort of figure out what works for your brand. It's What it's really about is buzz building mm-hmm. and community building, um, and those two things are, are what's still very important to us and very right. scrappy as well. Right. So on day one, you made a spreadsheet of like everyone to send pasta to, which is great. And then day, let's say a year later, what were you doing 
that was different? And like, were there other people on the team? And are you, you know, what, how important are, you know, the other pieces of it, like the digital ads and the experiences and, and what yeah. are, I guess, what are the components, let's yeah, say, so to can, communications? Yes. Um, so I can break out sort of how we think about yeah. um, marketing and communications at Bonza. So we, and I don't think that this is unique to Bonza. No, but it's um, helpful. So earned media, and that's anything organically garnered from a third party. So that's both a press hit, whether it's on the Huffington Post or it's on, you know, the New York Times or whatever it is. Right. Um, online reviews, so blogs by real people or influencers, um, user-generated content. Yep. So posts You guys on are Instagram. really good at that. Thank you. Yeah, We're we focus we that. focus on that a lot. Um, and then word of mouth as well. So it's anything that you're organically um, garnering about your brand. Right. Um, and then there's the owned side of owned media. So that's anything that you're putting out as a brand. Like an ad on Facebook. Actually, that w- would be the next section, which ah. is paid. So okay. earned, owned, and paid. Owned okay. is um, what you post on your Instagram, your ah, stories. Right, got it. Your, you know, newsletters, anything like that that you're, you know. Yep. Owning, owning. <laughs> um, and still, I mean, you're probably paying to get some of that. Content. But you're controlling it in a different way, exactly. Right. And then paid is advertising, paid social, out of home ads, paid search, all that stuff. Right. So that's how we break out the three things. So what I primarily focus on um, is earned. Right. Um, but those things are really all work together, yeah. and and I think some of the best brands out there are blurring the lines between those things. So, yep. for example. Um, you get an earned, you get a press hit or um, a bunch of influencers post about you on Instagram. What we're doing actually is taking some of those things, um, reposting them. So that's owned, reposting them on Facebook or on our own Instagram or in a newsletter. We're also putting money behind them for ads. So if if we get a great uh, press hit with a great headline, um, we can use that actually to then, you know, use for paid ads and get new bond fans. Yeah. Got it. Very cool. Okay, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, digital analog, Instagram, experiential, etc. This episode is presented by the Brooklyn Kitchen, a recreational cooking school on a mission to change the world by teaching people how to cook like grown-ups. The Brooklyn Kitchen began in 2006 when two creative home chefs, Taylor Erkinen and Harry Rosenblum, recognized an opportunity to create a community space with approachable, hands-on cooking classes and inventive culinary experiences. Taylor and Harry believe that cooking is a daily practice in creative problem solving. They bring this ethos to the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking school that fosters community and redefines home cooking for everyone. Now located at Sunset Park's Industry City, The Brooklyn Kitchen hosts a range of public and private cooking classes, corporate team parties, pop-up dinners, and tasting events for cooks of all levels. Learn more at thebrooklynkitchen.com. Hey, are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Kathy Irway, and I'm the host of Eat Your Words here on HRN. Every week I sit down with food writers to talk about their newest work, from colorful cookbooks to food memoirs to exposés on the food industry. It's all meaty topic for discussion. You can find Eat Your Words wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, I'm back with Catherine Woodruff, Director of Communications at Bonza Pasta. Um, And we talked a little bit before the break about sort of the different components 
of communications. Um, but what would you say, you know, assuming that someone is just kind of starting out and they're maybe pre-revenue or maybe they have a couple hundred thousand in sales, like what do you think you would say if you were advising them is the most important thing that they should do right now to get brand awareness? Mm-hmm. Um I would say you have to do a little bit of background. So you have to start. um, And again, I'm a student of brands. I've only worked at one brand. Um, But this is this would be my thinking. Um, So think about your target consumer and figure out who that person is. um, And what's your product's unique positioning and why most importantly, why does that matter to the customer? Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, you can kind of tailor your messaging and your content um, around that. And I think that initial grounding is really important. Um, And then I think finding your key channel of focus. So for Bonza, it's Instagram. And we have presence on other channels, but we really focus on that. As a small company, you can't do everything at once. Right. So pick your channel and kind of go with that. I mean, and initially test a few channels, see what works, and then choose one that's going to be really like your brand's place. Yep. and having a clear voice on that channel and yeah. making sure that that's consistent. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think the first step is sort of saying, what are our one to two key marketing goals? Um, and so if that's driving sales in a specific region, then thinking about, you know, maybe we need to think more locally. Um, right. And maybe that's activations in a local area right. um, to to get that awareness in specific zip codes um, or paid ads in specific zip codes versus right. trying to, you know, deal with this whole beast of national awareness. Right. Which is actually, I mean, I think there are some themes that have occurred over the last year that I've been doing this show. And, you know, everyone says, you know, start with your core and add, you know, mm-hmm. don't try to cover everything day one don't be national day one you know really build Mm -hmm. loyalty and love and you know a deep community where you are and double down on that and then grow out from there um do you have like a bunch of different do you do experiential events or is it mostly You know, because I think one of the things that you guys do specifically very well is that I've seen where you take the orange box and you're speaking to the gluten-free people. Mm -hmm. And then I see when you've taken the orange box and you're just talking to people who love pasta. Mm -hmm. And then I see where you've taken, you know, you tell, you do have a very strong identity, but I think you guys are particularly good at sort of shifting that message depending on the demographic that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is like, how, how deliberate are you with that? And do you try to get those people physically into rooms, you know, so that you can figure out how to talk to them or that you can get them engaged or yeah. whatever it is? <clears throat> I think strategic community building and segmenting is super, super important. So we definitely do focus on that. Um, and there's, I think one thing we think about is like there are, top level brand sort of feelings that we want everyone to feel about our brand, whether it's empowerment, um, fun, right. Fun. Um, but that means that comes to life in different ways for different people. Right. Um, and one thing that you can do, which we do is sort of behind the scenes speaking in different ways to different people. So, you know, that could come in the form of the copy on your paid ads that are targeted towards different types of people Mm -hmm. speaking to them in their language. Um, and then, 
you know, sort of focusing on and defocusing different parts of your brand to different people. Right. Um, I think one thing that's that's been really cool about building the Bonza community is that, um, you know, if you lead with authenticity and you lead with here's what we are, we'd love to share this with you. And, mm-hmm. and people are so excited to take something and make it their own and express yes. themselves through it. Yeah. So you, part of that is not the work that you're doing actually, but is the work right. that they're doing and expressing themselves through your product. But that's what's, you know, I, I think Maddie, I think we were talking about this because in a way, you have a canvas, mm-hmm. you know, you have this incredible canvas and you're basically like here world, here's this beautiful canvas. It's good for you. It's fun. It's easy. You know, now go make it into whatever you want it to be. Whereas we are like the paints, mm. you know? And so it's a, it's, it's almost like the inverse thing. You know, we're like, we know you have the canvas. We're going to help you sort of like decorate it. A little bit. And I always think about what a great job you guys have done positioning yourself as as the canvas, you know, I mean, and you also have just done a really good job of getting it out to people. I mean, I guess starting with like day one on your job. Yeah. How much like how much do you think is sending samples to people? I mean, how many samples would you say you send a month? Oh gosh, I don't know off the top of my head, but a lot, a lot. <laughs> um, and we and and you can do that partially because it's a like it's an inexpensive product, basically right. to shelf send stable. and it's shelf stable yep. and it doesn't cost a lot to right. FedEx. It, and right? we have an awesome team um, that that does that. And really, I think this goes back to we've we've tried and failed at sort of like scaling that process of community outreach. I think. What do you mean? Just sort of like using softwares where it's more automated and mm. sourcing people. We've we've gone back actually to doing it all manually, right? Um, and so, so you I, are looking. I mean, maybe not you, but there are people like looking and making that list yes. and adding to that Excel spreadsheet. Yes, yeah. and not only that, but reaching out like with a very personalized note. And I think right. that that makes a big difference. Yep. So you know, the other thing is everyone's an influencer, right? Yeah, so there sure. it's, it's for us, it's less about how many followers do you have? And it's more about, do you embody sort of the brand ethos? And would you be excited to post about this and, and share this with people, even if they're not posting about it, they're talking about mm-hmm. it. And so I think in some ways you have to trust in that if you hand people your canvas, right. <laughs> it will be disseminated further. And so yeah. part of it is, a lot of it is, of course, tracking, and that's key. But then another piece of it is trusting right. in, um, in sharing something awesome with people. And how do you measure, let's say you send out 100 boxes of pasta. Um, how do you measure what's, you know, what's successful? Yeah. Like, how do you know when, when that was a good 100 that you sent out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if all 100 post on their Instagram and they're like, go buy this, then that's success. But that's not usually, I would imagine, how it goes. And and then there are people who do stories and then there are people that don't post at all. And you know Yeah, it's hard. Um and with a lot with a lot of things I would say in the brand building world. Um but it's, you know, we obviously track 
the ratio of people that post that we send to um, and the engagement on those posts. So you can, and then you can sort of do a calculation of how much your brand is probably making an impression right. um, on people through those posts. Um, but then another piece of it is honestly the human side of it is getting emails from people mm-hmm. saying, I shared this with my book group. Um, yep. You know, I just told 20 moms about this. And yep. so honestly, a part of it is is sort of just tracking those one-off things that people are doing with Bonza and telling right. you. Yeah, I know. It's funny because even with, you know, when, when Pat Jamey was on here and we were talking about, you know, demos and stores, it's hard. You can't really, you can't really attach a number to it or, you know, a percentage of success rate to it. You just have to know that the more people that try this product, the more people are going to buy the product and are going to tell other people about the product. And there almost has to be a little bit of just like faith thrown in there. I think where we as a small brand get nervous sometimes is it can feel like we're spending a lot of money doing that. And we want to make sure that if with the limited amount of money that we have, we're doing it as, as quote unquote, right Mm -hmm. as possible or as well as possible, or at least putting in some way. I mean, we don't, for example, we don't, track whether or not people post yeah like we're both like looking at each other like oh nice they post it you know and then, and then it goes nowhere and that's kind of that you know yeah. um but we probably should and yeah. that would actually maddie be a good <laughs> idea for us to do and then based on whether or not they have posted and i hate to sound like you know you don't really you want to just send these products to people because you want them to enjoy them But I think that's where sort of like the business side of things gets in. Like you are a business and you and you are trying the purpose of getting it into people's hands is so eventually to lead to a sale. Mm -hmm. I mean, is the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I think we for Bonza, at least um, user generated content is the engine of our owned Instagram page. Yeah. So that doesn't work for every brand, but for us, it really works we get for you. some great photos that gratefully we're able to use um, and repost on our own feed. So that is another thing that's really helpful. And another reason why, you know, follower count doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily right. the end all be all. No. Um, it's content generation yeah. as well. They make great photos too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you guys do an amazing job. And what's so interesting also, I find like, you know, and I mean this with all the love in the world, but there are people who take photos of our sauces and they just don't go with our feed. You know, they're they're great and we're thrilled and we thank them and we're super psyched, but we're not going to repost them on the feed. We'll yeah. we'll put them in stories probably sometimes. But and it's not to say that it has to be beautiful and perfect, but I think what you guys do for some reason you get a ton of great photos that actually all match your sort of vibe and aesthetic. Uh, do you give people guidelines or it's just kind of that's how we it don't. turned I out? think pasta is super photogenic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also we don't give guidelines. Um, and I think if you really look at 
um, our page, you know, compared to other brands. Like we don't have a super stylized um, look and sort of clean feel to our page. If you really look at it one by one, it, it is celebrating the difference, right. you know, the different ways that people post Bonza. Yeah. I think generally, you know, overhead shots are going to look the yes. same at, at a certain point. But, right. but if you look at what the dishes are and you look at um, the stories behind those people, they are actually – um, we're sort of celebrating that, um, how different people bring it to life. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about launching rice. Yeah. Because, um, you launched a completely new product. Like it's a new, it's kind of a new everything. Can you walk us through the steps a little bit from a communications perspective of how, when did you start planning the launch? What were kind of the steps that you did to launch it and how are you measuring how it's going? Yeah. Um, we, it feels like we're kind of always rushing things. I think we yeah. could have had more time, but we started, I mean, we started planning in the late fall. Um, but you so knew I, it was going to launch like now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, but we, we didn't get samples until a bit later. So we knew that it wasn't, we weren't going to actually launch the marketing stuff until right. closer to, um, but we, so we looked at rice and we said, okay, this is, you know, um, there are a lot of similarities between our pasta and our rice. Mm -hmm. So let's think about what our goals are. Um, and you know, which is to drive awareness and trial, um, and think about this in the context of what worked for pasta. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think we, we also so we wanted to incorporate rice into kind of what was already working with pasta. So there are a few steps that we took, um, and this is kind of our you know the levers that we have as a yeah. brand, I suppose, that we've figured out over time, and none of them are are super crazy. Yeah, um, but they also and they also don't apply to every brand, exactly. but they happen to work for you guys. Right. I'm super psyched to hear that. Yeah. So initially, you know, first of all, writing out the goals and kind of um, you know, Morgan on our team looking at a million rice recipes right. and looking at what the best ones are and what's most photogenic and, and how, how do we want to frame this? Um, and having a conversation around what is this product? What does this mean to people? Mm -hmm. Um, and how do we want to position it to, to everyone and then to specific people? Right. Um, and so we had a photo shoot, um, which where we got all the stylized photography of the packaging and, um, the dishes. And so then that sort of fuels the asset creation and the mm -hmm. recipe cards and the note cards and all of that, um, and fuels the press pitching and right. all of that and our own content. Um, and so the kit for us, um, a big part of community building is surprising and delighting people, um, making them laugh, um, and sort of giving them that entertainment um with the kits that we send right. so we did this for our mac and cheese launch and we did it for rice again um just coming up with a creative unboxing experience for people um and so yeah for rice we had like a fun tote bag and some other stuff in there and so that was both for press and for influencers and you send that out to about 500 people i think we sent people. we sent to maybe a thousand for right. this one or a little more. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for us, that's, you know, some of these people are getting so many packages, especially yeah. if you work at a, an, a publication yeah. in New York, you're probably getting a million food products a and day. And you launched nationally, right? Yes. In Whole Foods. Right. So that's also kind of different than when you were just starting, when you were doing things locally. Oh, because, totally. I mean, yeah. for us, like we, it, we could send to a national editor, but we'll never 
it doesn't really make sense for anyone in a national publication to write about sauce because right. we're not available it's hard, in yeah. most of the United States. Totally. Like the vast majority of the United States were yeah. not available yet. In that but, case, I would, yeah, I would recommend reaching out to local people right. and then it's trying to inspire like local word of mouth right. and events and stuff. Yep. Um, but so sent that out um, and thinking about how we can stand out amidst the noise mm-hmm. and that's being fun and entertaining and making people laugh and get excited. Um, and then we also did a recipe contest um, when we launched it. So that helped sort of inspire the user-generated We tried a recipe contest. Yeah. Yeah, Maddie's shaking her head in despair. (laughs) We didn't get a whole ton of um, people making things, which was a little discouraging. Yeah, I think it... it, it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. No. (laughs) I think it takes time. No, no. Uh, We actually did one like four years ago that that flopped. Um, Yeah, good to hear. I think you have to... You hear that, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have to build that community too and um, sort of galvanize people around something. So, um, yeah, I I don't want to get too off topic here. Okay, yes. um, so the recipe contest and then PR. So we have an, an agency who's great, P- Covet PR, um, and they did a bunch of the outreach and sent them kits as well. Right. Um, and then paid ads, of course. So using going back to the photo shoot, using those assets um, and press hits that we garnered to then put money behind it um, to reach certain people. Can I ask you a question? This might not be in your wheelhouse, but like Instagram promotions. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to them at all? Because they confuse me. Well, because you're kind of given, you're given two options. You're given like more days, you know, more, less per day or fewer days more per day. And I kind of like slide the little bar thing around and I keep playing. And and then I like made a little target demographic, which, and I don't know, I don't know that they work. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if they're reaching people. I don't know who they're reaching. I don't see a massive uptick. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. I, you know, do you have any thoughts? On I, I will connect you with people on my team who okay, do that. Great. I don't want to speak to that. Um, but we, I know that you can see the analytics in the Facebook platform. Right. Um, and but, I just, I've never looked at Facebook. It's yeah. bad. I mean, yeah. we need to start doing I'll connect Facebook you with, a little bit. With yeah. Morgan. <laughs> She'll okay. know. Um, Maybe Morgan will come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. if everyone's listening, I can talk to Morgan and then like break it down for you. Perfect. In a, in a show. Yes. Um, okay. So that, I mean, and that's, and that's all of the different kind of components. Are you thinking about doing billboards or like things on the sides of the subway or like some old school advertising? Yeah. So that's definitely on our list of, of things to eventually tackle. Um, I think not right now, but that's definitely on the, right. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind and of you looking have to, forward to that. You have to like sort of spice up the marketing mix too because as you know there's so many people online fighting for people's attention right um you know ad costs are going up and so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like how do you this can't just be an online thing this has to be an offline thing too so i mean haven's kitchen is a perfect example um you have to bring your brand to life through events yep um you have to kind of have um, things in real life that you incorporate people into. We'll do focus groups. We'll do things where, you know, um, you can't just be fully online as a brand. I actually, I mean, I definitely have a bias, so I'm announcing it before I say my statement. That being said, I do think that there is a little bit of, um, digital fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
because we're seeing more and more ads on our Instagram feeds, and I can really only speak to Instagram, I do think that people are kind of craving a little bit of analog. Mm -hmm. I think they're craving a little bit of like real experience, you know, Yes, people will do discovery online, but I still think people want to go to the store yeah. and touch things and look at things and squeeze things and shake the box. Yeah. And I, I still th- think that people like old school, great copy on a big billboard every once in a while. Yeah. And know? I mean, you see, I've seen some recent like full page ads in the New York Times by mm-hmm. direct to consumer brands. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to mix it up. Um, I've I've been recently paying a lot of attention to what I get in the mail. Um, and I get yeah. a lot of, of ads in the mail. Um, yeah. Because it's just a different, I guess, part of my brain, a different attention yeah. source. I think that there's, because, you know, I, I mean, people who listen to this have heard me say it before. I think when we first went into the Chobani Incubator, I sort of had this like, you know, we don't ever need to buy an ad in a circular again. You don't really need to do a ton of promos or a ton of demos in stores. The store is kind of like now just you know, this place where you go for a product like mine, it's different if you can buy it direct, right? But I was sort of, I think, discounting the value of the in-store experience because of Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we have such a loyal community and we're going to have so many followers on Instagram that they're just going to be banging down the door and telling the grocers that they need to get this thing on the shelf. Um, And then they're going to buy it all. You know, and yeah. like I was wrong. I mean, I've said this before because A, that system isn't going anywhere. B, you know, there's so much stuff online and there's so many now influencers posting and hashtagging and, you know, sponsored and this and that, that it's really getting hard to separate out, you know, even with certain publications online, it's all sponsored content. And sometimes you kind of know and sometimes you don't. But I think that there is something. I think what the pendulum is starting, it might not be swinging yet, but I think it's kind of eking toward the edge a little bit. Yeah. Um, And especially for food. Food is this sort of like whole body experience, you know? I mean, I think you guys are going to have so much fun doing stuff that isn't digital. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is hard. I think it's harder to do earlier on in your brand's life cycle in general because it's so it's pretty much so untrackable mm-hmm. um and so um I, I mean the brands that i've seen doing full page ads in the new york i mean that's an well, extreme it's example really expensive, yeah. yeah but um i think you know it's it's better to do things in the beginning that you can track yeah. more so um, speaking of what do you wish you had known when you first started that you know now like mm-hmm. speaking to yourself when you first took the job what are a couple of things that you would tell yourself now yeah chill out a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I think prioritization, I think there's a tendency, um, and this is probably very common in entrepreneurship too, of wanting to do everything mm-hmm. at once. Um, learning how to say it's okay that we can't do all of these things tomorrow. Yep. We will get there over time. Let's prioritize. Um, and I learned that a lot from, you know, m- mentors and people within my company who, um, have taught me a lot. Um, and that's so important. Yeah. And easy to forget. Yeah. And anything about sort of the marketing world that you wish you had known that you know now or like the way that it works kind of? 
Hmm. I mean, I've learned everything I know about right. marketing <laughs> um, at Fonza. Well, what um, are some of the favorite things that you've learned about marketing? Like what, if you were going to teach a course tomorrow, like what would your slides be? Yeah. Or what would like your outline be? Wow. Um, Just to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think authenticity is something that we talk about a lot at Bonza and mm-hmm. that is at the end of the day, authenticity and community building are such key parts of building a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you can focus all you want on building the most perfect content, the most beautiful newsletter. Um, but leading with your story and talking to people like real people about your product, um, I, th- I think is something that I've learned is more key than things that you could learn in a classroom about marketing. And do you think that's why, I mean, I think the number one thing I'd say about Bonds is that it has clicked so deeply with consumers. Like it's just clicked. And there's no science to that for sure. Mm-hmm. And you guys can like break it down all you want. But the reality is it's like you just, it worked. Whatever it was that you did worked. <laughs> and I guess part of my question is, do you think it's the authenticity that people picked up on? Do you think it's, I mean, do you think there is something about that package or the market? Like, wh- you know, why do you think yeah. it worked? And is the, is this, is the brand story shifting like at the beginning you were saying that first it was kind of focused on education and now Mm -hmm. is it shifting a little bit yeah um I think well thank you I think we we still have a long way to go but we have an awesome team and I think it's I think that's sort of an amalgamation of all the different things that people are doing Mm -hmm. um not just marketing um I think it's a great product for one of course Mm -hmm. um but I think um I think what Bonza says as a brand to people in this wellness culture world of cut this out, don't eat this, Mm -hmm. you know, New Year's resolutions of go to the gym, which you're never going to, you know, actually follow through on, um, is that it's permission to, to not, you know, care about that. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, it's have your cake and eat it too. Um, which who doesn't want to hear that message, right? You can eat pasta and it tastes good and it's actually good for you. Yeah. So I think that sort of simplicity, um, and emotional, feeling that allows people to feel empowered and like they're kind of winning mealtime. Yeah. Um, How explicit are you guys internally about that? Like, cause that is basically it. Like that it is have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Like, is that sort of, do you guys all sort of have like one or two or three sort of the, this is the, this is who we are and it kind of filters out into everything that we say about everything. Yeah. I mean, we, we try to be intentional about that for right. sure. Um, yeah, we have our like internal sort of guidelines and North Stars. Um, and I would say that that is not, th- that's fluid and messaging mm-hmm. and branding should always be like, you should always kind of be rethinking it and reworking it. Right. Um, so we did not have that on day one. Right. We did not have that on really year one. So, right. uh, but that's something that's developed over time and yep. in a lot of ways inspired by what people do with Bonza and yeah. how they tell us they feel about Bonza. Right. Um, so I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that that's something we wrote down on. No, but it's cool because you've been listening, you know, and you've been listening to the feedback from consumers and then the message is based on what they actually do with the product. Yeah. And we've had, uh, to your point before about, um, the evolution, I think in the beginning it, it, you have to focus on the functional and the, what, what is this and Mm -hmm. why, why do I care to pick it up at the grocery store? Um, but then over time it's, 
um, we've been able to kind of, and we're still working on this a lot, but how do we, what is Bonza more so than that? Right. Um, and so that sort of changed our brand architecture as well as um, Bonza makes me feel X and this is why I pick it up, not just because of the protein, but right. because it makes me feel like I'm doing this awesome thing for my family tonight. Yep. Um, and so that's something that's sort of developed over time and it, it depends on the person. But. Yeah. No, I mean, one of the, like just speaking from our experience, you know, we have so many things that we'd like to say about our sauces. There's the ingredients. There's the fact that we're a cooking school. There's the fact that they're really convenient. There's the packaging. There's, you know, that like there's all the call outs, the vegan, the gluten free, the non GMO, but saying it all, you know, is hard figuring out where to say which thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there are not that many of us actually like speaking, but even I sometimes I'm like, what am I calling out here? Like, mm-hmm. what am I trying to say with this right now? Like yeah. making dinner easy, making dinner healthy, making, you know, yeah. trusting us to, you know, like I don't, it's hard. It's you hard. Know? Yeah. And it depends on the, the channel and the situation and right. the target. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you, there's a, I've always, I have the tendency to want to be everything at once. Yeah. Um, and so what I've learned over time is kind of honing in on what matters most and letting people fill in the blanks for themselves for everything else. That makes sense. Um, that actually is like slide number three in your (laughs) college course on (laughs) building Bonza. I'll just be a teacher now. Um, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, cause you are. Right. Like I think all of us, once we've learned something or we've done something relatively successfully, then it's fun to kind of explain, try to even break it down, you know, so at least we can sort of not just be like, I don't know how the hell that happened. Woo. You know, but like try to figure it out. And I think as food companies, we're all learning from each other. And that's a really cool thing. too. Yes, for sure. Um, What's the most fun you've had? in your couple of years in the role? Like do, I always ask this, but, and people have very funny answers, but like not, no pressure to have a funny answer. It doesn't have to be funny, but like, do you remember one day of like being like, yes, like feeling that winning, you know, like I'm doing a good job at this or I really love my job. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A ton of moments. I'm sure you have many. I think probably, so early on, we we would do a ton of demos, and we'd do demo sprints where we'd like go travel somewhere and for two weeks straight just cook pasta at grocery stores. Um, and so I, I mean that was exhausting, mm-hmm. and but a total also adrenaline rush. Right. Um, so I think getting away from your computer, talking to people. I think early on that really connected me more with the mission of Bonza yep. and what we were doing, and and actually how it was impacting people. Absolutely. Um, and so you know, as much as that was exhausting and, and yeah. physically grueling, um, I think that was super key in, in making it click for me. Like, yep. this is why we're doing this. Yep. Um, and, you know, early on it was meeting people in a grocery store and saying, you know, chickpeas are a bean and this is why they're uh-huh. good. <laughs> um, and I actually had a moment um, when I was in Whole Foods in Brooklyn the other weekend and I saw, I was walking through and I saw, okay, we have our display, we have our rice here, we have our mac and cheese in another section. Like, there's so much bonds at this, this is right. crazy. We used to be fighting for like one facing. Yeah. Um, so kudos to our sales team. Yeah. Um, but, and seeing, I saw like five people with bonza in their cart and I wow. was like, oh my gosh, like this, yeah. you know, that 
sort of, you know, not that we're there yet, but that worked no, and people, huge. people know about Bonza and we don't need to shove it down their throats no. in the aisle. So no, they do. They know it and they love it and it's awesome. And it's been so much fun watching you guys build this thing. I mean, just like, I feel like we're, you're one of those brands that's like a couple years ahead of us. I feel like you're like a big sister or brother, you know, and we're just kind of like watching you a little bit and learning a little bit from you as we go. So clearly there are a lot of other people that are too, because um, everyone's really excited about what you're doing. Thank awesome. you, Catherine. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. being here today. And um, for all you in the sauce listeners, I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.